What a game in Motown. Coming up on this edition of the Die Hard Den podcast, we go on the ball and defend the den as we look at the Lions' outstanding victory versus the L.A. Chargers. Shawnee J does another all-pride profile on a Lions legend, and we preview the upcoming game against the Eagles in Philadelphia. All this and more coming up on this edition of the Die Hard Den podcast. Watch out. Here comes that roar. What up, though? This is Kurt Steele, and welcome to the Die Hard Damn Podcast. And as always, I'm with my man, Shawnee J. What up, what up? We got a lot to talk about today, Curtis. Yeah, it's a busy show today. But first thing first, uh, we forgot to do this last week, and I'll be remiss if we didn't do it this week. The Lions family and the, the sports community in Detroit lost a key member of the broadcasting community, Fred McLeod, uh, passed away recently. It was sudden. I've been away from Michigan for quite a while. For my first really interaction with Fred McLeod was during this season's preseason when he came back from Cleveland to do the Lions preseason because Dan Miller was doing baseball. So very, very sad to lose that key piece of the broadcasting community uh, from Detroit and Cleveland. What you got, my man? Yeah, I'm sorry I got to correct you a little bit on something, Chris. Matt Shepard was calling Tigers baseball. Not, oh, yes, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. right. Long-time Detroiter. Like I said, he was uh, the number one sports anchor at Channel 2 News for 22 years from 1984 to 2006. He also, like you mentioned, all those years he called Lions preseason games. And he was also... He helped um, our man, George Blaha, with the Pistons. He did the television, the television side of things for the Pistons for many years, while Blaha went to the radio side. Remember back in the day, Blaha was doing both, radio and right. TV. But, you know, they, they kind of split his duties up. And, um, like you said, he was in Cleveland the last 13 years, um, calling the Cavaliers games. Um, he, saw, he saw a few championships. He was here for the 84 Tigers. He saw the bad boy. Pistons, a nine ninety as well as the going to work Pistons, and he saw the the Cleveland LeBron bringing Cleveland the first title in fifty two years in two thousand sixteen. So, Fred, you know, he died at the tender young age of sixty seven. Like I said, just came back to do our preseason games this um, preseason tonight, two thousand nineteen. Spillman, Chris Spillman, commented how good he still looked. He did look mm-hmm. good, you know, look healthy, but that's, you never know, ma'am. You never know. You just can't tell by one's appearance what's going on with their insides, you know, the body inside, you know. But I right. wish our family well. Um, right. He was a great guy. I never met him. I always enjoyed his sports cast, his telecast and sports cast with the Lions and Pistons and Channel 2 News. All right. Okay. So, you know, Again, condolences to the McLeod family. With that being said, now let's pick up some cheer. And now it's time to tell me something good. Now this week, I'm going to go first, my man, because I know you got a big announcement on your side. But today, Rashawn Melvin was at the Boys and Girls Club in Detroit. He spent some time today mentoring some young kids, playing some video games with them, talking about their future And just spending some time, precious time with our youth is definitely something to mention about something good in the community. So Rashawn Melvin, new guy in town, reaching out, helping out those kids at the Boys and Girls Club in Detroit. Now, with my man, Shani J, tell me something good. Yeah, before I tell you my part is tell me something good. I'm Rashad Melvin, I just want to say he's a journeyman. He's he's been with several teams in his career. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's been playing well for the Lions. You know, I gotta I gotta throw that in. He's been playing very well for us. You know, he's one of those guys who was profiled, having excellent speed. And mm-hmm. and I hope Kent, the math bomb guy, is right where he said the Lions have one of the fastest secondary in the NFL. So if we do that, should be awesome. Mm-hmm. Mr. Melvin was a good addition, and he's already helping on the community, which it was just a good thing, you know. So I, yeah. I give him shouts out for that. But my portion of tell me something good 
is that the offensive line, you know, last week, our starting left tackle, Taylor Decker, had to sit out because of a back injury. He had a poor first game, partially because of his back injury. And we were very, people were very concerned about that fact. You know, Chargers have two of the best pass rushers, Bozo and the Clown and Melvin Ingram. <laughs> yes, you know, and so, but the Lions did not give a one sack to the um, Chargers. The only time they came close was on a blitz, but Stafford got the ball off and he was kind of knocked down. They could have called roughing the passer there. And also he took off on a couple of scrambles. Um, mm-hmm. we, tackled, we ran down from behind by both sides of bounds. That could have been a late hit out of bounds. And also he took a headshot to the helmet. You know, yeah. that, that, the referee picked up the flag, you know, that was helmet helmet contact. The manker got concussed. So right. I think that was a bad play. But the offensive line, they did their job protecting the franchise. I was going to say mm-hmm. a couple more things on that. You know, second year, he's not a rookie, but second year guy, Terrell Crosby, who didn't have a great preseason, he did an excellent job on Bosa. Now, yeah, you could say the Lions gave him help with mm-hmm. a tight end guy, but that's good coaching to me. That's good coaching. Mm-hmm. You leave him on the island. You say, okay, right. go home, son. You know, they give him help. Like I said, they have a man hot. Give him a few hits. Give Bozo the Clown a few chops. You to help out. I'm proud. Mm-hmm. And maybe Joe Dahl helped out a little bit too, but that's okay. Football is a team sport. You do what you got to do to win. And also, mm-hmm. I meant to send this to the group. Uh, my man, University of Michigan Wolverine, was given high grades because he's quietly, they said he quietly dominated the Chargers. Um, once again, he kept them off Stafford and he opened some holes for running back. So they say Graham Glasgow had an excellent game at Michigan Wolverine. So yes. I guess my boy, boy um, Bo Bishwiles, so the other guy, the lines are the best two guys in the league, you know, Bishwiles, <laughs> BB and GG. So come yeah. on, do your job. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, thank you. Hey, that's good. Tell me something good this week. All right, so now it's time to go on the ball. We're going to take a look at the offense from the game. We'll start it off with um, running game still kind of struggled a little bit. They only averaged 3.4 yards per carry. The guy that shined really was Ty Johnson. He had five carries for 30 yards. He averaged six yards per carry. Carryon Johnson had a, some all-purpose yards. He had 80 eight all-purpose yards, 41 rushing, and 47 receiving. So what do you think about the running backs and, and their running game struggles uh, here in Detroit? Um, I think one problem is, like, Bevel, mm-hmm. he, he used four running backs in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of hard to get in the groove when you keep putting guys in and out. I mean, yeah, you need a backup, but you need one bell car running back to make it work. Because you heard the old adage, a running back gets stronger Late mm-hmm. in the game, more carries he gets. So right. he makes out so. And that's true if you know look at NFL history. Running backs and the offensive line tend to get stronger when the more mm-hmm. carries guy gets, you know. And and so if you're shuffling guys in now, it's hard for anyone to get into a groove. Mm-hmm. Um, I If it works, it works. But sometimes it, it doesn't work. You'll get criticized for it. But All I right. do think Ty Johnson, he has great speed. And mm-hmm. he has, okay, he's not the biggest guy, but he's good speed. Speed and vision on that nice long mm-hmm. run. Shows how he found a hole and he moved around. He set up his office alignment for blocks. Did you notice right. that? Kind of weaved. And yeah, he, I saw that. I saw that. He had some good balance and was able to uh, yeah. make some uh, some good run. That was one thing that Lions backs in the past were lacking vision. Like guys like Joy Bell, and some other guys, they yeah. they have no vision. There be there may be unless there may be a hole, a gaping hole, but they miss it. Mm-hmm. But I like his vision, like his speed. He's one of the reasons why the Lions got rid of um, Theo Riddick and. Possibly another reason why they got rid of um, C.J. Anderson today, but we'll talk about him more later on. Yeah, but, we'll talk about him a little later. Okay, um, passing yeah. the ball. Stafford, 22 of 30, uh, 73% passer percentage, completion percentage, two, two, 245. He had uh, 8.2 yards per attempt, which is pretty good for Stafford. He usually averaged around six yards per attempt last couple of years. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. I would say the only thing really as far as those two interceptions, he kind of got greedy. Yes. Trying to stick it stick the ball into. But I like the aggressiveness I do. offense. I'll take that right now. I don't think that's gonna be a trend because you look at the uh the end of the game where he really came through and threw that uh winning touchdown to Galladay. I just think that, you know, things are gonna happen just like We'll talk about a little bit later when we go to defense, but when the uh, quarterback from the Chargers, he got a little bit, Philip Rivers got a little bit greedy himself and tried to test slay one too many times, but we'll we'll get to that on the defense. 
So it, it happens. Quarterbacks get a little too, what do you call that? Their egos get a little too strong for them sometimes and they make some throws they shouldn't. It didn't cost the Lions the game. Uh, and he came through and won with another fourth quarter comeback. 28th of his career since he's been in the league, uh, which is tied for most with the other Matt, which uh, uh, Matt Ryan out of um, out of Atlanta. Yeah, the Falcons. Yeah. So what do you think about your boy Stafford? I really like Stafford. We'll, like I said, we'll get to more of this in our two-point conversion about the quarterbacks going down the league, long-time veterans. I made a post about it. And yeah. But anyway, I, you know, the interceptions weren't, well, you never like to turn the ball over, but I do like the aggressiveness. They played, mm-hmm. they didn't play Patriot ball. They played Oakland, old school Oakland Raider ball. I throw mm-hmm. the ball and I thought they were good passes. The receivers there, those were 50-50 balls. Now, mm-hmm. if we had a, if we had a Calvin Johnson or Herman Morrisville, I feel mm-hmm. good about what I'm grabbing it. Now, um, on that second interception, when he was trying to get it to Mar- Marvelous Marvin, I thought Marvin should have played the ball, but he should have leaped, attempt, gave him a better attempt. Same thing mm-hmm. with the um, Kenny Galladay in the end zone. That's mm-hmm. what that's what Matthews used to. He used to throwing the ball up to Calvin and taking his chances with Calvin coming down with it, which he did more often than not. So right. it's, these are good. Our receivers are good, but they know Calvin or Herman more yet. Um, they're not. Yeah. I mean, that's be the best going up between two defenders and coming down with it. So right. I, I do love the aggressiveness. It didn't bother me terribly. I, I never like turning the ball over, but they were aggressive. That's the one thing fans complain about: the Lions not taking chances or being aggressive, throwing the ball deep. I like it, but the receivers, mm-hmm. their job too. They gotta when he's showing faith in you. So go up and get it. Mm-hmm. Right, talking about um that go up and get it. Kenny Galladay had a great day. Eight receptions. 117 yards, a touchdown. He had the highest PFF score on the offense at 89.4. Really coming into his own. I really like the man, KG. He's doing his thing. Yes, yes, yes. I like Kenny G, too. Um, yeah, he's a, I call him a poor man's Calvin or poor man's Herman Moore, but on that interception thrown in the end zone by Stafford, can you give Kenny G a little blame for that, too? Because he didn't wasn't aggressive. He didn't go get the ball, kind of misplayed it. You know, he didn't go after it like, he, like a Calvin Calvin or Herman Wood. Yeah, he's still kind of coming into his own. He can make good plays. Like the catch he had on the sideline was excellent. You know, to use his body control and get both feet in. Even with the touchdown in the end zone where he you know, at the end of the game where he had the guy draped all over him. Yes. He's still, he's still coming into his own. And you got to look at Calvin was a little bit bigger, a little taller. You know, his catch radius was a little bit higher than, than Kenny Galladay's. But Kenny Galladay's made some spectacular catches in a short yes. career already. So I give him a little leeway on that one you know no I would say 60% on Matthew Stafford 40% on KG on, on that interception uh, in the end zone and one more thing before we move on uh, right. I know you're a big Twitter guy um, right. you follow Kenny G on Twitter because yes, I do I, yeah do me a favor send him a message you can't sing um, when he catches a touchdown hold on to the ball too and it's official because he has a habit of getting up and tossing it away <laughs> I don't want to see the Calvin Johnson rule come in effect saying you know, he didn't finish the process because He's just in that a couple of times. He catches the ball, touched any end zone, but he gets mm-hmm. it right away and throw it away. So that kind of bugs me. That's a habit I want to see him break. Is that kind of, you know, it's that habit? Yeah, he he really, he looks to the referee. I understand what you're saying. You would like to see him complete the catch and then to make sure that he, that the referee doesn't have a, a reason yeah. to say he did not catch the ball completely. Johnson moment, yeah. Yeah, I got. I get what you're saying. Uh, or the Jesse, offensive line. Yeah, or yeah. Jesse, the offensive, Pittsburgh. Jesse, Jesse James from Pittsburgh, yeah. Well, he was in Pittsburgh, yeah. Um, offensive line again played outstanding. And I saw a play by Tyrell Crosby, which I really liked, where he passed off Bosa down the line and picked up a, a looping um, guy coming around the end. It was kind of, it wasn't a play that you really kind of sat and focused on, but it was really good where he just kind of pushed Bosa down the line and picked up, I think it was Melvin Ingram, who was kind of looping around on a stunt where he kept Matthew Stafford clean. Tyrell Crosby, I know you talked about him in the you know in the opening, but outstanding job, young man. If he can play that way as a, as a swing tackle, you know, filling in or you know, you know, depends on how long Decker's out, he may start a tackle controversy in, in Detroit. I post yeah. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. You know, he may start the tackle controversy where people are looking for him, especially if, if Decker comes back and he doesn't play well. It's, it's going to start a tackle controversy. Kind of round out the offense this week. The Lions made some corresponding 
team really moves today. They released quarterback Josh Johnson, which I don't think he's going to be out very long as you look at the quarterbacks. We'll talk about that later. And they signed quarterback Jeff Driscoll in a corresponding move, which he has some good mobility. I'm not sure he's as good of a, he has to have good movement as Josh Johnson does. But he is a mobile type of guy who likes to do a lot of bootlegs. And he's good and mobile. He got put on the IR, a release for the IRR settlement earlier in the preseason. So, you know, he, he must be healed now. And from what Matt Patricia said, we like Johnson, but we had a chance to take a look at someone else. So they brought in Jeff Driscoll. Now, here's the big surprising news of the day for me, really. CJ Anderson was released from the team today, and they made a corresponding move when they claimed uh, Paul Perkins off the New York waiver wire. Perkins is a lot smaller than T.J. Anderson. You look at him, he's only 5'10", 5'11", 215 at the heaviest, probably plays around 210, 208. What does that do for our short yardage? Are we just going to use carry-on in that predicament? What do you think about that short yardage when releasing C.J. Anderson? I was very um, surprised or blessed to see that. Did they honestly think Paul Perkins is upgrade? I thought um, C.J. played well for him. He gave him that big back to run for those tough yards and short yards and goal line situations, as you said. Um, now, if you look at their running backs, all on a lighter side. Like, I think Carryout's one of the heaviest. Well, Carryout's about 210, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Ty, he's just over 200. Like you said, um, Perkins is about 213 and and the other guy they got from waivers from Seattle. Yeah, um, um, McKissick. McKissick, he's a small guy too. And I'm very surprised they made that move. I don't know what they didn't see, what Carrion wasn't doing, excuse me, what CJ wasn't doing right, Why? because they signed him to a big contract in the offseason. I don't know what yeah. they felt this upgrade. I understand it's very perplexing why they made this move. Um, if they were going to cut anybody, I thought they, they could have cut um, I don't know, too many, they had too many running backs, but Jamal Agnew probably whew, let us have a sigh of relief there because we'll get yeah. him. That's my boy, but he's starting to work on me a little bit. I hate to say it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm very surprised at both moves. I thought Josh Johnson played well to win the job. He steal it from Tom Savage and the other guys. So I don't know the Lions. They're being aggressive, but be are making smart moves? There's a difference. Right. Smart, right. you know, so. And, and the really thing for me that was disheartening about the C.J. Anderson um, release is that he was actually downtown Detroit. He was at a um, a youth sports initiative um, program. He was on stage. He came off the of stage. He was supposed to do a video segment. He didn't do the video segment. He got a phone call as soon as he got off stage and he got the news while he was out in the community doing work for a youth sports initiative. I mean, NFL is a cruel sport. Um, yes. Things just happens. And you were talking about something that's supposed to happen between today and tomorrow. So you don't even know if he's going to show up tomorrow for the uh, second part of the youth sports initiative. He probably was. Yeah. You know, and he was a good veteran presence in the locker room. He was like having another coach on the field in the, in the, in the running back room. So uh, I hope he gets picked up. Big shout out to CJ Anderson. To me, he's always been a, a good character guy. So I hope he catches on uh, somewhere else. Uh, CJ on Twitter. Yes, I follow CJ on Twitter. I hadn't heard any noise with right now with uh, with CJ. You know, when stuff like that happens, you know, usually goes black for a while. Probably, probably later on, or probably now while we're recording the podcast, he's probably issued a thank you to the city of Detroit. Or you know, a lot of times that happens where, you know, players will come out and say, hey, thank you to Detroit. You know, it happened when when uh, Theo got released and, you know, all the time he spent here. TJ wasn't here that long, but, and this he got courted by Detroit last offseason. They didn't sign him. They signed him this offseason. I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be there for the duration of the season, and this is kind of out of, to me, out of the blue, but we'll see. Um, hopefully, you know, Bob Quinn and those guys know what they're doing and can um, take that move and keep those personnel, keep those running backs healthy uh, going forward in the season. Yes. yes, I'm sorry. One more thing before we move on. Did you hear mm-hmm. on Twitter or somewhere um, Patricia's explanation why they made these moves for the the Jeff Driscoll uh, move? He just said he want they wanted to to take a look at a, a different type of prospect moving on from Josh Johnson. The 
The Paul Perkins one, I had hadn't heard anything about the Paul Perkins move. Very questionable. A lot of the beat writers on Twitter were really questioning this move. The Paul Perkins, they were looking at, especially for his size and what he can do, looking at the short yardage. He was not a good short yardage back at all. So the Lions may be looking at putting carry on or looking at Ty Johnson for short yardage. So you, you never know. I mean, I would say this about Ty Johnson. He is a powerful runner for his size. He has some good power, some good stiff arms from the young uh, back. He's more compact where he's he's a smaller guy, but he's shorter, so it makes his strength a little bit different. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, we'll see. Let's move on to the defense. Now it's time to defend the Dan. Let's look at the defense. First up on the defense, my man, the defensive line struggled again with the run. They gave up 137 yards on the ground. What you got to say about the defensive line on the with the with the rush? I thought well, it's still early yet, but I mm-hmm. thought the the on um, the run defense for lines to be the strength of one of the strengths of the team, especially mm-hmm. if the snacks back and they signed Mike Daniels. They, they're not even starting Daniels. They've been starting um Asha Robinson and the rotating him with Daniels. Um, mm-hmm. I think you should start Daniels along with, with um, um, Snacks. You sign those two guys for big money. Well, I know they're going to rotate them, but I thought the line, it'd be tougher to run against the Lions. Um, I look, Snacks is getting double and triple teams, so that theoretically leads somebody else to make some plays. But right. I tell you, they a strong goal line play. Our man, the rookie, Tave, mm-hmm. he's just and midair and nice fumble recovery by Devin Canaro, who's having a strong start to the season. Three sacks and a fumble recovery. That's a crucial one at that on the goal line. Uh-huh. So um, the run defense needs to show up, I think, in my opinion. They need to start Daniels and Snacks, more of those two big guys in the middle, control okay. the middle. And I think also a help if once we get both um, Deshaun Hand and, and Jared Davis back. Davis for his speed, mm-hmm. he has good athlete and the shines also a great player so i think it'll help when we get those two guys back as well right. they'll, have to, they'll help the defense overall that's my opinion right i just I, to me i really think that coming into the season they didn't have a lot of time you had the snacks with the holdout and then you had daniels coming in and he was still coming off an injury and so was trey flowers i think it's just a growing process where they kind of have to get to know each other and once they can kind of figure it out think the, the the run defense because there's an article out saying hey the big money where you spent most of the money on the defensive side of the ball is not really working out. You know, you spent the money on Daniels and with the contract extension for snacks and then the big money would be paid for Trey Flowers. So that they saying, well, you know, they're producing second game of the season. They're kind of giving them some slack just because of the fact they didn't play together a lot in the preseason. These guys were, you know, coming off injuries. They'll start to gel together here shortly. Speaking of Ashawn Robbins, Ashawn Robbins had the highest PFF score for the defensive line. The defense actually on the defense period, um, he had a 74.5 PFF score with four tackles and a half a sack with the half a sack he shared with the uh, Romeo Aquara, then when they got to Rivers, they kind of booked in them. Uh, and actually, Ashawn was lined up on the defensive end on that play. Uh, he was on the uh, the left side of the defense, defensive line when he made that play. So Ashawn Robinson played an excellent game. Um, yes, he did. Moving on to the secondary, they played up and down. They did the same thing they did the first week in that fourth quarter at the end of the first half, where they were playing some soft coverage, some zone coverage, where they were letting some big plays fly down the field. Slay was in a battle. I will tell you that. I, Kenny Alley got some, some good catches on him. Still didn't get over 100 yards. He made some good pass defenses uh, on the Keenan Allen. And the big one was the interception at the end of the game. Yes. Um, I posted a poll about the top plays of the game. What was your favorite play? I listed three offensive plays. I listed the play action at the end of the game to kind of seal it with the Jesse Depp aggressive card at the end of the game. I listed the two touchdown passes by Matthew Stafford. And then I listed the Darius Slay. And Darius Slay interception in the end zone by far was the most liked play by the people in the Detroit diehards group. So shout out to you guys. If you participated in the poll, thank you so much. But Slay, he, you know, he battled. And when it was time to step up, he had the big interception at the end of the game. Yes. Big play Slay saved the day. 
Yeah, he said, so he said he had enough of them guys trying to pick on him all day. Um, now, here's a big thing that I like. Tyve is up for Rookie of the Week on NFL.com. So go out there and vote for Tyve. We had another rookie up last week for Rookie of the Week. He didn't get it. We got to get out there and support our guys. So if you go out there on NFL.com, vote for your boy. Tyve stepped up. He had nine tackles and a forced fumble in the game. Tyve, well, we didn't even know who he was during the draft. Who was this guy? They had no film on them at the NFL draft. They kind of cut away to the next team. We laughed about that during our show, during the draft coverage. But Tave is stepping up and playing hard in the absence of Jared Davis. It's going to make the defense that much more tough to deal with when Davis comes back because you're going to have a guy who eats up space. He's going to allow Davis to fly around back there in that back part of that front seven. Yes, I really like Tave. He's, he's playing the way I was hoping he would. He's making a lot of people um, regret saying what they said about him. Um, yeah, he was a she was a shock pick at number two because no one heard of him or you know see him play because he played out at University of Hawaii, but he was a beast in Hawaii. Um, so he's playing well for us. Like I said, you know, I hope he keeps it up. Both him and TJ Hawkinson, two excellent draft picks for us. Right. So here's my man. You gave him a little bit of grief last week, and the defensive coordinator said his play in the fourth quarter was one of the big plays of the game. Tracy Walker has played every defensive snap this season in the first two games, and he leads the team with 19 tackles, tied for first with one interception with Darius Slay, and that big play that tackle for the loss against the Chargers at the end of the game in the fourth quarter was huge. That put them behind the sticks, and that's when you saw that big uh, pass where he, where Rivers tried to stick it in there with Keenan Allen. That was a, a, was a second or third down of 14. So big shout out to Tracy Walker. He is definitely, he was a steal. You know, this is his third season. He's stepping up. Glover Quinn retired. The Lions knew they were in good hands with Tracy Walker back there. He's a big guy. He's versatile. He can play in the box. He can play deep. So Tracy Walker is, is proving his worth on the line. Yes, I gave him a little grief. I said last week's game against the Cardinals goes up and down. He made a nice pick mm-hmm. and uh, nice stick on Fitz. Made him drop the ball. I like that. But he also gave him a couple big passes to Fitz. Maybe I was being too hard because Fitzgerald is still Fitzgerald, you know. <laughs> yeah. One of the NFL history. So I guess... I, you know, maybe I'm too hard on our guys. I want to see them make shut down, you know, corners and safeties. Don't allow the opposition to get nothing. Absolutely mm. not. I mean, I nothing. Shut them down, knock the ball away, intercept them, what have you, sack them. But, you know, great Hall of Fame players like Larry Fitzgerald will get their share. It shouldn't get theirs, too. Just like um, when Keenan Allen had an excellent game. Mm-hmm. Lions, and everybody was getting in the group was getting ourselves. Slaves getting burned like toast. Mm-hmm. I had Post saying, you know, well, what y'all say now? Nah, you saw that post I made yeah. after the game, game save interception. So, the big, you know, the other team, the posting has good athletes and star players too, and they're going to get their share of big plays. So, yeah. I guess we can't expect perfection from the Lions, but as long as they win, that Stone Cold Steve Austin used to say, that's the bottom line. <laughs> the Stone Cold Austin says so. Yeah, that's the bottom line. All right, so one more topic to cover before we get into our uh, two points conversing this week. Uh, your boy struggling again, Jamal Agnew. He continued to struggle in special teams, had another fumble. He was saved the day because of offsetting penalties. Matt Patricia went straight. Danny Amadola came out for punts. McKissick came out for kick returns. Patricia said he still believes in him. That's what you really to say to put out there. But Agnew, you know, maybe he was a flash in the pan his rookie season. To me, it's not working out right now. Well, Agnew's talented, maybe... He, uh, you know, Patricia likes him. I like him. He has great speed. He showed great ability his rookie season two years ago. And he had a touchdown, ret- you know, return against the 49ers call back on a bogus play. He was robbed, but uh, he has talent. They don't want to let him go because he's still young and talented. You know, they let um, they let Tease Tibor go, another young guy, because he wasn't getting a job done. I think they gave him one more chance. I think what's going to happen is Mr. Agnew may be inactive for a few games. Mm-hmm. Work hard in practice, work at his trade, returning punts, and, and work on his cover skills. The defensive backs coach need to work for him more. You know, and, uh, you know, guys stay late after practice. 
getting extra practice, working on their trade, mm-hmm. maybe work out backup quarterback and receivers like Travis Fulham was summing on his coverage, you know, skills. You know, Fulham's a big guy. I'm glad they kept him. Um, work those two guys work out, they'll make each other better. And uh, right. with the new quarterbacks with David Blot, a rookie or something, work on their passing game. You know, mm-hmm. that's a lot of remember Michael Irvin after practice. He would take the, the use of the Cowboys backup. He didn't ask Troy, but he asked the Cowboys backup to throw some extra passes. He didn't quit. So he caught 100 passes in a row. If he dropped one at 99, he's going to mm-hmm. start over from. So that's how he became one of the best um, receivers in NFL history. Yeah. He was a hard one. So that's what Agnews have to do. Maybe take a backseat for a minute. Um, he's part of the team, but um, leave him on the inactive list for a couple of weeks till he gets his act together in practice. So right. he'll get you know. out there on the jug machine. You know, catch some punts all day. You know, get a get one of those assistant coaches or somebody that because I, I don't want them using Sam Martin. You know, catch punts, but you know, get a jugs machine out there, and you know, because they have one for punting for punt return, yes. so they, you know they can just use one of those. So, all right, moving yes. on to uh, two points conversing this week. Now, there has been a rash of injuries to actually a lot of marquee quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, you look at some, you're talking about a Super Bowl winning uh, quarterback, you know, Nick Foles, and you had Ben Roethlisberger go down with the tendonitis, and then you have Drew Brees with the hand injury, who's going to have to have a thumb surgery to repair some ligaments. To me, looking, looking at that, I'm glad we have our Iron Man back there, number nine, you know, number nine in your program, number one in your heart, Matthew Stafford. He is doing his thing. He's staying healthy for the first part of this season, but people don't give him enough credit for how he plays injured. He's a tough guy. So, I mean, I think we're blessed to have him myself in Detroit. I you saw the post I put in the group today, didn't you? I said, yes. it's in the role for guys like Roethlisberger and Breeze and Eli Manning, who's bench, you know, right. favorite Daniel Jones. And do you appreciate Stafford now? Because he's played, he's, he's our Brett Favre now. He's a, mm. he's, 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 he stayed in there. He took some hits in the Chargers game. And that's why I said, I don't, I want off line to protect them. I guess you can't play football and not expect to get hit, but y'all want to limit those hits. And, um, he's as tough, tough as a quarterback in every history there is. And mm-hmm. fans, all those fans said, well, let's get rid of Stafford. He's a bomb. We'll never win. Right. Um, well, I disagree with that. Stafford is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL today. Like he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, that's the thing. Lions fans always put it all on the quarterback. It's all on the quarterback fault. If we lose a game, the quarterback could go for 300 yards and three TDs, but if we lose, it's the quarterback's fault. I mean, right. I like Stafford. I still like Stafford. I'm a Stafford guy. Um, I'm sticking with my guy, my quarterback, as um, Terrell Owens said when he was in Dallas. That's my quarterback, man, you know? <laughs> yeah. Owens and I'm going to stick with Stafford because he is tough. You see Andrew Luck retire early because of injuries. Mm-hmm. So Lions fans don't really appreciate what they have in Stafford. And uh, right. you remember a graphic? I remember a graphic years ago when the Lions were playing the Packers on Sunday Night Football when, you know, in the last 25 years or long, the Packers only had two starting quarterbacks um, for the last almost 30 years, you know, between mm-hmm. Brett Rogers, and they showed the Lions. The Lions in the same time span had at least ten or more starting quarterbacks over the years. So, mm-hmm. stability, franchise stability. Stafford is our rock, and people can life in a quality quarterback. They 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 don't know a quality quarterback can hit them in the face. Yeah, no, Stafford's the you know if if he one thing if they traded him and then next you know he ends up winning the Super Bowl somewhere else. It's got to stay with him. When once he gets the pieces around him, then he'll be definitely. We'll see some. Some good things happening in the future with Matthew Stafford and the Lions. Uh, I even saw in the Lions group, someone had got the specialty Lions specialty plates for Michigan, and the Lions plate said trade nine. I was like, you got to be some kind of freaking idiot <laughs> to, to say trade Stafford. But, you know, people have their own opinions. I respect that, but I disagree with them. I think Matthew Stafford's the way, way to go. He's going to win. Look how many years it took Drew Brees to win in New Orleans, or look how long it took. Peyton Manning to win in uh, Indianapolis. You know, these guys, they had to go through some growing pains to win. I'd say we're going to stick with nine. 
All right, so that's what our two points conversing this week. Talk about those mass units in the NFL. When we come back from the break, we're going to have a special Lions all-par profile on one of the biggest hitters in NFL history. And my man, Shani J, who do you have for this week's Our Pride Profile? Today, Curtis, uh, my Lions Pride Profile, I'll be talking about the great Lion Hall of Famer from the early 1960s, Mr. Dick Night Train Lane. Now, Dick Lane, Night Train almost didn't happen in the NFL or for the Lions because when he was born, he was immediately in 1920 in Texas. He was immediately put into a, a trash bin by his biological mother. I guess she, she was poor and couldn't afford him. However, he was rescued by another family. He was raised. He had a proper upbringing. Night Train Lane, he played one year of college ball at the junior college at that as a wide receiver. He made he showed exhibited some speed and great passion ability in that one year junior college. After the war at one year junior college, he went joined the U.S. military for four years. And when he came back to the States out the military, he asked and received a tryout for the L.A. Rams in 1952. He made the Rams. At first, they wanted to make him a receiver, thus the number 81, but they, they decided to move him to defense back. We used his size and speed and hitting ability in the defense. And that rookie season, what a rookie season it was. 1952, in the 12-game season, Night Train Lane intercepted as a record 14 passes. And 14 passes in 12 games. That's a record that stands to this day, a record that may never be broken. Just like Emmitt Smith's rushing record may never be broken. Or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, scoring record in Bayman never be broken or Cy Young's wins in baseball never be broken that's another record by Night Train Lang as rookie that never be broken he spent the 52 and 53 season with the Los Angeles Rams he spent 1954 and 1959 seasons with the old Chicago Cardinals he left just before they moved to St. Louis and 1960 he was traded to Detroit Lions he was somewhat in the twilight of his career, but he was still effective. He could still hit. He's had great speed. He was one, you know, Jerry Glanville. I saw a video that Jerry Glanville made presenting him as one of the best players in NFL history. It's on YouTube. Check it out. You may have seen it, Curtis, where Glanville said, mm-hmm. no around necktie. They always look for necktie because he's one of the hardest, most dangerous hitters in the NFL at the time. He'll try to take your head off. He had a specialty tackle called the ne- the night train necktie, where basically <laughs> find the guy or grab neck and choke him to death. Now the NFL several rules changes because <laughs> yeah. of the train lane and his tackling. You know, they got rid of the clothesline tackle and you couldn't grab a guy by the neck and tackle him. Because Night Train, he tried to kill it. I mean, you think guys like Jack Tatum and and some others were rough. I mean Night Train was a Jack Tatum of his day. He tried uh-huh. to kill it. and also Night Train had a habit of tackling a guy with a face mask. He was the reason why they outlawed the face mask tackling. You know, that's dangerous too. So mm-hmm. Night Train, a lot of um, NFL rule changes you see in the game today trying to make it safer because nobody was safe with Night Train around. Right. He played for the Lions from 1960 to 1965, making a Pro Bowl three times. His last two seasons were marred by injury. He, he only played seven games in each of 64 and 65 seasons because of any injury. 
He never, he didn't receive a single interception his final season before he finally retired after 65. Uh, but immediately in 1966, he became one of the first African-American front office personnel for the Lions. He worked in the front office helping out the late Mr. Russ Thomas, as well as William Clay Ford. He stayed in that capacity until 1972 when he went to Southern University to, as an assistant coach. And he also went to another HBCU as an assistant coach for a couple of years. He returned to the city of Detroit in 1975 and until 1972, a 17-year period, he was the director of the Police Athletic League, PAL, where he had guys for the city of Detroit and um, he um good community service. He was well-known around town to his retirement in 1992. And for the last 10 years of his life, that's when his health started to deteriorate. He moved back to his native Texas. I guess he made some bad business investments. He lost his $5 million fortune he made as a player in his career. And his last few years were spent in a nursing home that was paid for by a man he had met on a golf course. And he was a big fan of training back in the day. Where he would die in the year 2002, a 10-year age of 74 years old. Knight Trang Lane, one of the best players in NFL history. The Lions had three of the best defensive backs play for them. Night Train, Dick LeBeau, and Lim Barney, of course. So, I, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention him as one of the greatest Lions in NFL history doing the profile. All right. Nice. Dick, Night Train, Lane, one of the best defensive backs in the NFL history. Now we're going to switch gears, and now we're going to go to Now You Know. This is Kurt Steele, and welcome to this week's edition of Now You Know. This week, we're going to cover the personnel injury report policy by the NFL. This is different from the designation segment we did earlier in the season about the player's injury status for the season. This is what we're talking about from the week-to-week basis. Now, you have three different reports that the team must issue during the week prior to the game. And during the game. So you have the practice report, the game status report, and the in-game injury report. The practice report is expected to provide clubs and the public an accurate description of a player's injury status and his level of participation during the practice week. All players who have reportable injuries must be listed on the practice report. Even if the player takes all the reps in practice, and even if the team is certain that the player will play in the upcoming game. Clubs are required to report their players' practice participation according to the following schedule. Now, if the team has a Thursday game, they must do a practice report on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday prior to the game. If they have a Saturday game, They must issue a practice report on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. If they have a regular Sunday game, they must issue a practice report on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And last but not least, if they have a Monday night game, they're required to issue a practice report on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Now, here's the practice report participation categories. They did not participate for a player. That means the player did not do anything at practice. They didn't take a rep. They may have worked with some trainers, but they did not do anything the team actually did in practice. Limited participation means that they did less than 100% of the normal reps. So maybe they worked with a trainer on the sidelines, they did conditioning drills, and they took a few things in the individual drills, but they did not do everything in practice. Now, if they are a full participation, that means they did 100% of everything in that practice. Individual drills, team drills, seven on seven, complete walkthrough, or whatever else the team was doing during practice, they were a full participant. Now, that ends the practice report. Now, the game status report. The game status report 
is expected to provide clubs and the public with an accurate description of a player's anticipated availability for the club's next game. Clubs are required to indicate the status of their injured players on the NFL intranet by 4 p.m. New York time and issue the notice to the opposing team, local and national media, and broadcast partners as follows. So basically all that's saying is for the game status report, they have to provide the game status at a certain time. So if they have a Thursday game, they must have a game status report on Wednesday night. If it's a Saturday game, they must issue the game status report on Thursday. On Sunday games, they have to do the game status report on Friday. If they have a Monday night game, it's by Saturday. So the game status report availability categories are out. That means the player will not play a snap in the game. They're just out. They won't play at all. If they're doubtful, that means they're unlikely to play. If they're questionable, that means the team is uncertain if the player will play in the game at all. It may be a game time decision. The player may go through warmups or they just don't know if the players are going to play in that game. The game statuses and the in-game statuses and the are the same for the game status report. Now, here's one thing, another report the team issues. The team issues a report 90 minutes prior to kickoff of their inactives. Now, we know the NFL has a 53-man roster. However, there's only 46 that are eligible to play in a game each week. They have to list a non-active player list 90 minutes prior to the game. So if you look on your team's website, usually it's on Twitter that the beat writers for the team or the multimedia journalists for the team will report the inactives 90 minutes prior to the game. If a player is listed on the club's practice report during the week, but is not listed on the club's game status report, that means the club is certain the team will play. If a player is then deactivated for the game, the club will be required to provide an explanation. If the explanation is not adequate or unpersuasive, a compliance investigation or enforcement proceedings may be initiated. Let's break that down. So basically, if the team doesn't have a player on their practice report, and or he has one on the practice report and they say, oh, hey, he's not listening in the game status report. That means he's good to go. The team is saying that they are going to play that player in the game. If they do not play that player during the game, an investigation may be launched. They say, hey, you said this guy was good to go. You didn't listen on your game status report and he didn't play. What's the deal with that? So you must have an accurate reporting of all players game status before the game. In 2018, the Raiders were fined $20,000 for a false reporting a player's injury status. They listed the player as questionable for a road game. Come to find out the player didn't travel with the team and the team was fined $20,000 for false reporting. And after the investigation, if the team does this multiple times, it could cost them more money or even draft pick. So there you have it. Practice reports. If you don't know, now you know, like my man Biggie Small said, baby, baby. Now let's get back to the Die Hard Den podcast with my man Shawnee J. Time to get into our game predictions for the Lions' upcoming game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Just a side note before we get into our predictions, let's go ahead and talk about what we expect. Uh, the Lions uh, coming in fairly healthy. The Shine Hand probably going to be out, but you're looking at Jared Davis. That four to six week time frame is kind of coming up where he did some 
stuff in practice last week. I think this may be the game he comes back. If the Eagles are banged up, you have some receivers out. Uh, you mentioned earlier, we talked about with the Carson Wentz being a little banged up. So for me, I have the Lions winning the game in Philly 28-24. to what you got, my man? I like that score. I think it's going to be a close one. You know, it's not going to be an easy game. But if Carson Wentz is hurt and might miss the game, as I've been hearing rumors, we haven't seen the injury report yet. We don't know. But if he's hurt, plays, is ineffective, or doesn't play at all, and his receivers, Alshon Jersey and Sean Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, they're playing of injuries, ineffective. You know, football's a game where, you know, unfortunately, it might be unethical, but you got to take advantage of the other team's weakness or injury situations. So if those guys are hurt or ineffective, if they do play, the Lions must take full advantage. And I see them win the close one. I'm going to say Lions 27, Eagles 21. And I, before we move on, we guys, we missed if we didn't mention this. Um, Jalen Ramsey, the young Jacksonville Jaguar defensive back, wants to trade. There's been some rumblings that the Lions should trade for him. Do you think the Lions should trade for Jalen Ramsey? I think that, that price tag is going to be steep. Just because of the fact, you look at the guy, he's in the last year of his contract, and the price tag is going to be steep just to trade for him. And you're going to have to pay him a big contract. So not only would you be giving up a first-round draft pick, then you'd be giving up the next few years a big chunk of your salary cap. So do I think Bob Quinn makes that move? I don't think so. Would it be a smart move as far as football is concerned? Yes, to have Slay on one side and Ramsey on the other, it would be awesome to have those two guys playing in our secondary. Do I really think it's going to happen? I don't think so. And it was even then because um, we got some good guys like Sir Sean Melvin's playing well, Slay's playing well. We got some good um some good backups. And we got the rookie Warrior. I like him. We got um Mike Bell, is it? Or Mike, Mike Ford, Ford, excuse and, me. Uh, yes. Virgin. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, there, I think we got some definite secondary. We don't have to pay an arm and leg for a defensive back. If we get him, that's mm-hmm. great. If we don't, either. Right, right. So, all right. Now it's time for us to go ahead and get out, out of here. So my man, Shawnee J. Tell the people how they can find you on social media. Um, I'm not a big social media guy, as you know, but I am on Facebook a lot. I run the Detroit Lions Truest Fan Group. If you send me a friend request and you want to join the Lions School, I'll be happy to add you because, as Curtis knows, I keep the guys well updated all in all to everything Lions and NFL. That is very much true, my man. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Curtis Steel 14, C U R T I S S T E E L E 1 4. You can also follow the show on Twitter at DieHardDanPodC1. Email the show if you have any questions. We'll be posting some more stuff in the Facebook groups to more polls so you can get some of your information into the show. And a big shout out to the individuals in the Die Hard Den Facebook group for contributing to the poll question that I posted uh, after the game. So thank you very much. As always, we really appreciate you all listening to our show and to our new fans on the Lions Den um, Facebook page. Thank you for representing, listening to the show. We try to bring you the best quality product. And as always, for my man, Shiny J, this is Kurt Steele, and we are out. 